Welcome to the Gen X Mixtape, the nostalgic podcast dedicated to the art of making mixtapes and the Gen Xers who made them. This is part two of the Gen X Mixtape Holiday Special, where Alan and I will be curating side B of a mixtape featuring our favorite holiday music. Welcome back, Alan. Welcome back. And now we are just five days away from Christmas Day. They're going to say, and now for something completely different. And now for... <laughs> but not. No, it's side B of the same thing. Yes. Yeah. More of the same, actually. Um, welcome back. So how was your week? Uh, it was It was good. I know the fact that it's COVID, but yeah. Well, know. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of a loaded question to ask somebody these days. It really is. Yeah. It's good considering. Yeah. 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 Well, hopefully you're in the holiday holiday spirit, so. Yes. And these songs are going to help to keep you there. Yes, so yes, yes, yes. No need to introduce anything here. We're just going to jump right in. All right. right? Uh, do I go first since you went first last time? Uh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, that would make sense. I don't know. The whole side A, side B thing is still kind of. It's kind of new to us. We're kind yeah. of exploring, so. All right. Yeah, you go ahead. And- well, I'll just start with, uh, <laughs> this is the song that I referred to last week when we talked about uh, Baby, Christmas Baby, Please Come Home from Darling Love. Uh-huh. And the whole debate that I had back and forth. Yeah, I'm curious. I, I think I know which version you went with. Well, we talked at length about the 1987, right. A Very Special Christmas, and it's the U2 version. Yeah, that's what I figured. Yeah. And I know that's sacrilege for not only baby boomers, who may be huge fans of Phil Spector, Phil Spector but the millennials who absolutely hate U2 yeah, you're for, just for whatever reason. Trying to piss everyone <laughs> off on this Christmas holiday. <laughs> but we Gen Xers um, pretty much love U2, and... Um, you know, arguably one of the biggest uh, alternative new wave bands to to make it big and cross over into superstardom, uh, along with the likes of, of REM and and The Cure, at least over in America. Right. Um, and you could you could argue that U two may have been the the, the first uh, that made that giant leap. In fact, there was a, a time when they were considered to be the biggest band on the planet. Oh yeah. Maybe that's why millennials hate them. Oh, so well, much. the Joshua Tree. I mean, it was just. It was a phenomenon. And that's exactly when this song comes out. This song comes out in in 87. It was actually recorded during a sound check when they were over, I believe, in Scotland on tour. And they were asked to contribute. Of course, uh, Jimmy Iovine worked with U2, uh, and he was the one that spearheaded this project. So it makes sense that he would have asked U2 to contribute to it. It also makes sense that U2 decided on using this song. Because uh, if you're a U2 fan, you know they've had their phases. And the Joshua Tree rattle and hum phase is kind of their love letter to American music and to blues and to rock and roll. And so this would have been right where they were at that time, choosing something from Darlene Love. So here's the thing. You could say Darlene Love, what, did she not maybe approve of this or she wasn't happy with you two doing this version of her song. But you know what, Alan? She actually really... Really like she it. sings backup on it. Yeah, I know she does. So in a way, I did pick Darlene Love's version. <laughs> yep. No, she sings backup on this version with you too. Yeah. No, I am. Um, it, it is. It is a great cover. I. It, it really is. Well, I just, I, I, for me, I, I just you know, I, I had to go Darlene Love. My, of I, course, I'm so invested in the the early rock and roll. I would and, expect nothing less. I, I. I just. I think this is one of Bono's greatest vocal performances. And that's just typical Bono because this was just recorded as a soundtrack. They probably didn't spend a lot of time on this, which is probably why it's so great because sometimes you can just rehearse things to death or overproduce them. And Bono just has an instinct. I mean, he's, he was never known as uh, having a great voice, but he was able to use his voice um, 
and, and, and create this character, I guess, for lack of a better term, um, this sound, this tone that uh, is known, you know, synonymous with you too, and uh, the passion that Bono has, right, which is probably the biggest selling point of his oh, yeah. vocal. Without question. And the passion that he displays in this version of the song is just, and so this is another example where if this were just a cover of Darlene Love's version, it, it could be forgettable. U2 makes it their own, right? Edge's guitar tones, as I said, Bono's vocal. I mean, this is U2 in their prime. That's why I chose this version because as in 1987 me, right, who loved U2 and who had discovered this album called A Very Special Christmas, which included like, you know, the who's who of all 80s icons. You got Bruce Springsteen, Sting, Run DMC, Bon Jovi, Madonna, Whitney Houston, Eurythmics, John Cougar Mellencamp, Stevie Nicks, Brian Adams. That just names a oh, few the, of them. Yeah, They're all there. Yep. And this song to me was was the cream of the crop of that collection just incredible incredible so yeah it, it, it's somewhat sacrilege but i'm not going to choose it because um i'm going to go to my next i'll choose my alternate at the end but i'm going to go to my next pick and we mentioned how many times season one right we talk about the uncles mm-hmm. the uncles are, are three performers that are about our parents age who really informed a lot of our musical choices when we were young as teenagers and that includes Bruce Springsteen, uh, Jimmy Buffett, and uh, Billy Joel. Which one do you think I chose? Oh, you had to go Buffett. You think you you don't you don't think I chose "She's Right on Time" by Billy Joel? I hope not. <laughs> that's, it's, uh, that's the closest thing he has to a Christmas. It, yeah, song. I was going to say it's not really a. It is a Christmas song. Of course, there's I, the now very overplayed uh, live version of "Santa Claus is Coming to Town." That's actually on my alternates list, which is great. Yeah. There is. Um, uh, Merry Christmas, uh, darling. Which uh, Merry, has, uh, Merry Christmas, baby. I'm sorry, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas baby. baby. Yeah, um, which is a um, remake of the Charles Brown song that again appears on a very special Christmas. Yeah, well, and everyone has covered. I have a version of that coming up, but not Springsteen's. But not so. not. So I did not choose Springsteen. I did. I did pick Buffett. I think I picked Jimmy Buffett, and boy, was this difficult because Jimmy Buffett has not only one but two two Christmas albums, yes. and he also has the track on, on has the, the box track set. on the box at Christmas yep. in the Caribbean, and he was born on Christmas Day. He was yes, so I had to go with Buffett here. Uh, I went with uh, the first album, Christmas Island. Okay, and again, you could make the same argument that you would make with the Dylan album that we talked about last week. It's it's quote-unquote better than the Dylan album, okay? <laughs> but it's still Jimmy Buffett, and some of them are just kind of straightforward covers. A lot of the criticism of the album was they were just kind of lazy covers yeah. of these Christmas songs. Well, I'll tell you what, I almost included it, a, a track from Christmas Island okay. by Buffett. I didn't, I didn't, but I came okay. real close. Well, we'll see if it's the two, two that I went back and forth on, because okay. I'd say about, you know, all the songs are fine. They're fun, they're festive, um, but I'd say, you know, half are better than the others, right? right? And my two favorite... The one I did not choose, maybe this is the one you were going to choose, was Ho, Ho, Ho and a Bottle of Rum. No, was not going to go. I, I do love that track. Which if you are going to have any sort of party in the holiday season and include alcohol at all, you need to play that song. It's right. just a really, really fun song. I, I went with the title track. So did I. I mean, I didn't include it. Right. But Christmas, Christmas Island was on my list really until just... Two days before we recorded last week, yeah, I, I had Christmas Island. On I, list. I, again, I'm more. I established that for Christmas music, I'm more of the. the I like the vibey stuff, and yep. yes, ho ho and a bottle of rum is a lot of fun. But Christmas Island, which was of course first recorded by the Andrews Sisters in 1946, yes. uh, it's been covered by several. In fact, it's 
also covered on the Bob Dylan right. yeah. <laughs> 2009 he does, album. He does have a co- yeah. He but this cover. one, you know, with 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 the, with the back the sounds of the tropics, the festive steel drum. I mean, just it's it's Jimmy Buffett. He makes it his own. He really does. And it's one of those songs where if you were having any sort of if I were in a tropical climate um, during Christmas, this would be the first one I would listen to. Let's get away from sleigh bells. Let's get away from snow Let's make or break some Christmas, dear I know the place to go How'd you like to spend Christmas On Christmas Island How'd you like to spend the holiday Away across the sea How'd you like to spend Christmas on Christmas Island? How'd you like to hang your stocking on a great big coconut tree? How'd you like to stay up late like the islanders do? Wait for Santa to sail in. With your presence in a canoe If you ever spend Christmas On Christmas Island You will never stray for every day Your Christmas dreams come true I'm right there with you. It was, Christmas Island was on my it was one of my 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 twelve, and I just at the very last minute I, I nixed it because I just I love Buffett, I love the song, but I was looking. I, it seemed out of place with the rest of my picks. Gotcha. I think is what it was, yep. and my picks are eclectic, but it, it just I don't know. It, it just, but it is so. I, I just I love, and you're right. It is a vibe. I mean, Christmas Island. It just has that, you know, that very chill, very. Well, it's it's Buffett, you right? Know? Right, and it, it just, yeah, no. But the, it's the song itself. I mean, the Andrew Sisters song is, is oh, a yeah. brilliant version of, of the, the first recording. But yeah, I, I didn't. I could have included Dylan's as a cruel joke. <laughs> <laughs> Great song, and I love Buffett's version of that came out in '96. So that is my first pick of the show. Yeah, well, that's an excellent one. I'm I'm so grateful you included it because, like I said, it was on my list, and then I I, I chopped it at the very last minute. So. All right. Well, I am going to depress everybody now. Um, oh, I what? All right. I didn't even think about this. I didn't in the entire time preparing for the show. I never even thought about this. But you said the word depress. Well, I have a couple depressing ones coming up. All right. Now. Well, there is a song. Anybody who knows me, there is a song that you cannot play in my presence. Okay. Because I will immediately break down and and sobs. I hope that's not one of the tracks. <laughs> I should know this. We've been friends now, for 30 I, plus I, years. Well, I, I think this is a later thing. Not that, I mean, we've been friends over the years, but right. I don't think the song existed when we were growing up. Okay. It's a later song. Um, it, it is so hokey. It is so campy. It is so over the top emotional. But Softy Me at Christmas time, when I hear this, like it, it's almost a joke uh, to the point where like my family will try to trap me in the car when we're driving somewhere during the holiday season and they will put it on the radio where I can't obviously can't leap out of the car and I have to listen to it. In fact, there was a point in time when my students, this is a while back, somehow found out that 
this song <laughs> really bothered me. And they began to play it in class to try to see if I could cry. Okay, at the end of the episode, you're gonna have to tell me what song this is. I will tell you, but hopefully, it, I hopefully I, I just can't see you picking this song. No, I I'm fairly certain that of the songs that I have here for side right. B, I don't think right. any so of them. So what, what is? Okay, <laughs> well, um, it is one of the the great uh, breakup songs, uh, and it just happens to be set at Christmas time from 1971 from the album Blue. This is Joni Mitchell's River. Great song. Yeah. Excellent song. I love the song. You know who covered it? Oh, quite a few people, actually. But, and, okay, but you know who covered it? Not on their Christmas album, but on a live album? Indigo Girls. I, anyway, go I, ahead. I, I, <laughs> why I did not see that coming. You know who else covered know. it? Sarah McLaughlin. Yeah, hers is a very good... Anyway. Actually, you want to know the great... I mean, if you're a jazz fan, because, you know, as, as we said last week, you know, jazz... Christmas is the one time when jazz actually fills the airwaves. Uh, of of radio stations everywhere. If you're a fan of jazz, Herbie Hancock actually came out uh, with a a compilation. Um, he basically was paying tribute to uh, Joni Mitchell, and in 2007 he had a tri- his tribute album was called the Joni Letters, and um, it is just oh, it is phenomenal. Corinne Bailey Ray, if you know who she is, I love her voice. She had that big hit, "Put Your Records On." A few years back, um, which if you haven't heard it, you, it's one of my my have not heard it. It is one of my summer songs. Every summer playlist, uh, Corinne Bailey Ray's "Go Put Your Records On" is included. But she actually sings the vocals, uh, accompanied by Herbie Hancock, uh, his his jazz uh, his jazz composition. It, it is just phenomenal. But um, yeah, no, so many people have covered uh, "River." by Joni Mitchell. It's just, it is an amazing song. Um, of course, it's about the recent breakup of her romantic relationship and, and her need to escape her surroundings and the emotional connections as they prove too painful during the holiday season. The song is widely believed to be about her relationship with musical artist Graham Nash. Uh, they were they were an item from 1968 to 1970. And at the beginning of 1970, um, the relationship with Nash was beginning to fall apart. At that same time, Mitchell... Uh, was feeling increasingly uncomfortable with the growing admiration of music critics and her fans. So the songstress needed to get away, and she, she took off on a trip to Europe, metaphorically skating away on a river to escape the crazy scene. And while Mitchell was in Crete, she sent Nash a telegram telling him that their romance was over. Um, so, yeah, on, on River, the Canadian singer, she admits to being hard to handle. She blames herself for losing, quote, the best baby I ever had. Um... The song, it may be the most depressing Christmas song ever recorded, although for Dave, apparently not. So I'm really curious. How no, no and, and this is I, a great song, and I guess, I don't know, I guess it yeah, depressing. It is, although in fairness, it was never meant to be a Christmas song. Right. Uh, that said, though, the piano accompaniment of the track borrows heavily from Jingle Bells, which creates another obvious connection to the season. Um, nonetheless, it, it's become a seasonal favorite, and, it, and perhaps it's ascended to holiday hit status precisely because it's depressing. You know? See, I put it alongside of like uh, Pretenders 2,000 Miles as okay. it's not quite a Christmas song. I could see that. But set as Christmas and has since been considered a Christmas song yeah. by a lot of people. No, I totally get that. I, I would not disagree. But for me, it's the obvious It's the obvious antidote to holiday cheer. Um, we know that Christmas is a very rough time for a lot of people. And, um, you know, sometimes when you are down, you know, you, you want... 
you know, Misery Loves Company. We we all put on the sad songs when we're feeling blue. And, you know, in an interview with NPR in 2014, Mitchell actually said, we all needed a sad Christmas song, didn't we? She said, it's the bah humbug of it all. is just it is there's a category I didn't think about sad Christmas songs that yeah. could have been another subcategory yeah well and you know what it was never released as a single but River has been covered over 500 times yeah over 500 times it's appeared on Christmas albums by pop folk jazz artists I mean it, it's it's everywhere so did not know the Indigo Girls had a, a version but that does not yeah it's on their 12,000 surprise me their 12,000 Curfews live album which came out I want to say like 94 okay yeah Yep. It's good. No, that's my first one, River. All right. So now we're going to go on to the easy listening sounds of the 70s. Ah, we have elevator music, huh? Okay. Oh, come on. This is... I don't know what you're giving me. I would elevate this above (laughs) elevator music. Okay. It's the smoothest voice of her generation. I'm referring, of course, to the Carpenters and their classic... Merry Christmas, darling. I think I said that earlier instead of Merry Christmas, baby, because I was looking at the next yep. pick. Yep. Yes, 1970, very early song by the Carpenters, Merry Christmas, darling. It was actually, this is kind of a cool story, the, 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 the lyrics were actually written by Karen and Richard's favorite music professor in college. Really? They were kind of tired. I kind of talked about how, last episode, I talked about how a very special Christmas, at least in my eyes, kind of ushered in a whole new era of pop Christmas tunes. Because prior to this time, a lot of it was the same old jazz stand. I mean, there were exceptions, of course. Paul McCartney and Elton John and a few others had Christmas songs. But it was mostly the old jazz standard, the crooners, that type of stuff. Right. And the Carpenters were tired of performing the same old songs over and over again. So they wanted to write a Christmas song. So they went to the professor and said, do you have any ideas? Believe it or not, uh, this professor by the name of Frank Pooler, when he was 18 years old, he had written a holiday song that he loved the lyrics to, but thought that the melody was really boring, and he kind of shelved it. So he gave it to the Carpenters, and within like 15 minutes, Richard wrote uh, Merry Christmas, Darling. So he rewrote the music to the uh, lyrics that his professor wrote. Um, interesting, I'm not sure which version to include here. I only, I only know one version. There are two versions. The 1970 single version, it was released as a single. It was released again in 1974. Okay. It was released again in 1977. In fact, 
Richard Carpenter said that he feels that her vocal on this song is one of her best performances of her entire catalog. Oh, I, w- I would agree. Yeah. However, <clears throat> she was not happy with the vocal on this. Really? And so in 1978, when they came up with the idea of doing their Christmas album, A Christmas Portrait, which is another great Christmas album, yeah. they, she insisted that they allow her to re-record the vocal. So the version that I always listened to growing up because I had a Christmas portrait was the version that she insisted on. That's the album I had was a Christmas portrait. So. But the version that is kind of, I guess, known as the definitive one, the one I guess gets the most airplay, and the one that Richard preferred, preferred was, the, was the original. I think I'm going to choose the album version simply because I want to honor her wishes. If she, okay. wasn't, if she wasn't comfortable with that, She's the artist. We'll go with the one that she preferred. And it's the one that I know and apparently the one that you know as well. Yeah, I, I, um, I, don't, I, I don't even know that I was ever really aware. I, I had to have heard the single version. I mean, but, but they're, I, very, but I, they're very similar. Yeah, but I, but I, own, I own the album. Right. So I, I, and I don't listen to the radio. I mean, occasionally you get trapped in the stores listening to... The governors as they come on, they're, they're, not, not trapped. That's not the right word. But I love carpenters. I, I do too. I you know, they are one of those artists that, for whatever reason, they've become a guilty pleasure for a lot of people. I love the carpenters. Greeting cards have all been sent. The Christmas rushes through, but I still have one wish to make. A special one for you Merry Christmas, darling We're apart, that's true But I can dream And in my dreams I'm Christmasing with you Holidays are joyful There's always something new But every day is a holiday When I'm near to you The lights on my tree I wish you could see I wish it every day The logs on the fire Fill me with desire To see you and to say That I wish you Merry Christmas Really the only difference between the two, I think, you know, vocally. The arrangements may be a little bit different. I haven't listened to them side by side, but I think that, um, you know, eight years later, her voice would have probably been more immature, right? More right, seasoned. Yeah. And maybe she felt a little insecure about her vocals at such an mm-hmm. early track. But, you know, I think we'll definitely put the single version on the alternates. Yeah. I, I, maybe I just never listened that closely. I wasn't even aware there were, that mm-hmm. there were two ver. I, I don't know. But yeah, no, I love the Carpenters. I am. Um, no, I would elevate them above elevator music. Thank you. As well. so, <laughs> I but they're still I, easy listening songs. Oh, they, the they definitely are easy listening. I just didn't know where we, where you were going with that. So, okay, no, I, I I'm all in for the Carpenters anytime. Um, so my next song, it is time to get a Beatle on here, just because. So, oh no, is it the good? 
Beatle Christmas song, or is it the best worst Beatle Christmas song? Or did you dig out the one Beatles Christmas song? It's not the Beatles. That's no. really rare. No, I do have that. Oh, do you? Yeah, okay. but I, I, that's not what I included. No, this is this is Lennon. Okay, himself. sorry. Well, not by himself, but this is, you know, because where Lennon goes, Yoko Correct. Was, was sure to the follow. The plastic Ono band? Yes. <laughs> but um, what, what, okay, you got to break this down for me. <laughs> which song is which? You don't here? know which is the worst, best Christmas song or the best word. No, I'm sorry, the best worst Christmas song ever. We'll get to it because it's on my alternates list. Okay. Because <laughs> I love the song and it's so awful. It's the song that the Beatle, that pretty much most people now believe was written about a group of friends practicing witchcraft before being discovered by other members of their family and trying to play it off like they were just having a Christmas celebration. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we'll save that for the... Because <laughs> okay. the choir practiced all year long, but all they can come up with was ding dong, ding dong. Yeah, anyway, yeah. go ahead. Okay. Now, this is just a Beatle by himself, uh, John Lennon, uh, from 1971, and his Happy Christmas, War is Over. Classic. Um, you know, John and Yoko, they spent a lot of time in the late 60s and early 70s working to promote peace. And in 1969, they put up billboards in major cities all around the world that read War is Over if you want it. And then two years later, of course, that slogan was used here when they wrote this song. Uh, the track is more anti-war message than Christmas standard, really. Uh, though John claimed another inspiration for writing the song, he said he was, quote, sick of White Christmas. Well, it didn't unquote. appear on a Christmas album. It, it appeared on, um, yeah, it, it was it, a single and then appeared on a compilation. Yeah, I believe. exactly. Um, well, I'll get to that. Uh, Lennon and Nono, they, they produced the track with the help of Phil Spector. Here's Spector again. Uh, he had previously worked on some of the later Beatles songs, of course, and also produced Lennon's Instant Karma. Uh, the children's voices that backed John and Yoko were the Harlem Community Choir. Um, at the very beginning of the song, there you can hear the two whispers. Uh, Yoko whispers, Happy Christmas, Kyoko. Um, that's to her daughter with Anthony Cox, Kyoko, John Cox. And then uh, John whispers, Happy Christmas, Julian. Probably the only time he ever actually showed any <laughs> affection to Julian in, in his musical career. And, you know, Julian, of course, was John's son with Cynthia. Um, the single was released in the U.S. for Christmas in 71, but it didn't chart. Uh, the next year it was released in the UK where it did much better. It peaked at number four in the UK. Eventually the song became a Christmas classic in America, but it, it took a long while. Um, you're right. It, it did not appear on an album until 75 when it was included on Lennon's Shaved Fish. Shaved Fish. That's the singles one. Yep. compilation. Yep. Um, you know, interestingly though, this song at, at one minute, 15 seconds, there's a line in the song where Lennon sings what sounds like the road is so long. But this line is transcribed as the world is so wrong uh, on the Shaved Fish back cover. It was apparently published that way. Uh, as a result, most cover versions sing it as the world is so wrong. But, you know, that would be a rather pessimistic view uh, for the rich and the poor ones. The world is so wrong. <laughs> so the world is so the road is so long seems more congruent with the hopeful message of the song. It's likely what Lennon actually sang, but. Keep in mind that the lyrics didn't appear in print until Shaved Fish four years after the song was released. Um, it appears the line was transcribed incorrectly and it's just never been rectified. But I, I love this song, um, Happy Christmas Wars. I, it's just, it is one of, it is one Christmas song that I can 
never grow tired of. I mean, I can play it in succession, on repeat, in a loop. It's just, there's something about it that's just so calming and it's so beautiful and it's so peaceful. And maybe it's the the choir behind them. I don't know. But it it just, to me, it, it just puts me into just this this very serene very tranquil mood whenever i hear it It, it's just i think it's beautiful so this is christmas and what have you done another year over and you won't just be gone and so this is christmas That's one I actually had to put on the back burner for a few years because it was kind of overplayed. It, it is. It's a yeah. great song. It, in fact, I don't know. This Again, this sounds so snobbish of me, but it was one of those for a long time when I was young, growing up, no one else knew much wow. about it, and I loved that song. And then all of a sudden somewhere, it, it was played every hour on the hour you on the radio. You yeah. No, I just, <laughs> it's just <laughs> no, like, I okay, good, good. The rest of the world figured it out. All right, move on. In fact, for a long time, I, I preferred, not not preferred in meaning the definitive edition of the song, but I preferred to listen to um, the alarm for you new wave fans. Oh, yeah, yeah. The alarm has yeah. a really good version of it as well. They do. Yeah. Um, not, but not by any means. I'm not comparing it to Lennon's version, but as an alternative, just for a while, you know, right. to kind of uh, be able to hear the song, but but in a different different arrangement. Right. Now I um yeah you're right it, it is way overplayed. But but again, it's one of those songs I've never grown tired of. Right. And and you know I'm like you. I'm, I'm there's a I'm I am without question a music snob myself, but. You know, when you find a song that is overplayed that you do not grow tired of, that that's just in itself. You know, it's that's like it's that's a, like Born to Run for me. Born to Run yeah. is so overplayed, but I can listen to that, yeah. and I, it's genius every time I yeah, hear. Yeah, it's it's just a marvel, and I just love because Lennon, I, I could, Lennon's solo work, it's hit or miss for me. A lot of it. Um, you know, there's some that I never grow tired of. There's some that I'm I used to love, and I just can't listen to anymore. And then there's some largely with Yoko on vocals that I, I can't listen to at all. But Happy Christmas is, is just one of those tracks. I've just, I, I love it. Can't help myself. I'll take it over Wonderful Christmas Time any day. Yeah, well, yeah, it's <laughs> obviously a better song. Right. It's not so, as fun, but it's a better song. You know, I would ask you about that lyric, um, but you're not a lyrics guy. I don't know if you've ever paid attention to the lyrics. I, I never noticed. Yeah. Um, but, you know, to our fans, uh, to our fans, yeah, <laughs> to our listeners out there, um, you know, I'm curious if you know the the if you know the track. I'd, I'd be really curious what you think. Whether he's saying the world is so wrong, or if he's saying the road is so long. I, I have to go with the latter. I just think the both the, make sense, though. What well, they do, yeah. The world is wrong. I mean, I don't know is. if that's depressing. It's just saying that. Well, no, it's it's not. It's an acknowledgement. It's not not depressing. It's more pessimistic because the song was so. But so is the long the road being long. It's it's the same. Well. Yeah. They're saying they're in a bad spot. That's maybe. I don't know. 
it, it's it's a minor point. I was just I you know as I was listening to it again, um, preparing for for our episode, I, I just I was listening to it, and I've always thought that I'm hearing something different than what's written on Shade Fish on, on the on the back, and it's just. I don't know. Just thought I'd throw it out there. Um, but yeah, Happy Christmas. I, I love this track. Um, it is, it's one for the ages. So, All right. No, turn. Solid choice. Okay, so this is my, I, I think I mentioned last week, um, because I had so many different subcategories we could have chosen, I more or less unofficially chose a song from each of those categories. Okay, so this is my stand-in for... Um, television holiday specials okay and it comes from the holy trinity of holiday specials which can you name i don't know if you watched holiday specials growing up are, are we talk for kids well or, for kids but universally loved and for generations and generations well it'd probably be um would be the peanuts that's one be the grinch that's two and it would probably be it's either rudolph that's or frosty my wife said Frosty too. I, I, Frosty is there lingering, but <laughs> not a Jimmy Durante fan. He, he's not. No, it's it's it. Well, okay. No, he's fine. It's um, <laughs> it's Rudolph would be the third one. Okay. Um, that's just my humble opinion. If you're about to go with the Grinch, I'm not. Okay, he's on my. I was going to say, and, and this is what's so he, frustrating. He's on my alternates list because so. I, I'm going through this. I'm thinking, how do I not choose? You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. Yeah, it's on my alternates. How so. do I not choose Silver and Gold or or Holly Jolly Christmas? I mean, it's a crime. These songs should be on my list, and they're not. But I had to go with Charlie Brown Christmas. Christmas time is here. Okay, not the one I would have chosen. Really? What yeah. would you have chosen? I would have went with. Well, the Grinch is on my alternates list. Oh, so you I, mean not from Charlie Brown? Yeah, no, no. just of the gotcha. three. I, I of the tr- of the Holy Trinity. I would have. Uh, as a jazz fan, I'm surprised. Yeah, but there's just something. Oh, I, I love the Grinch. I do too. I love the Grinch. Not not. I'm not a fan of either film. But but that oh no the the, that, the films but, are yeah. awful but I haven't seen I haven't seen the new animated one so I shouldn't be harsh but I'm not a huge fan of the Ron Howard film my family no. loves it I'm not a big fan no I'm not either but the um, original of course now I here's the thing I love jazz I've never been a big Vince Guaraldi fan really yeah he's not I mean I like I like free form I love the yeah. bebop I love you know I love I love the sax and I love I, you know it, it's it's Vince Guaraldi and I, I love piano I mean. We did a Billy Joel artist spotlight, you know, <laughs> love Elton John. I, 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 but there's something about Garotti. He's, he's too, he is to me, I'm easy listening. I mean, he's that. So now know, who's the snob? Right. Yeah. <laughs> no, he's just, he's just, no, not, he's not the type of jazz that I, to me, it's, I, listen to. I call it classy jazz versus cool jazz. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Coltrane that. miles, that's cool jazz. It's almost like what it, some people would call it classical jazz. Okay. Garotti sounds a lot like, Class, I mean, like there are a lot of classical uh, jazz guitarists, for instance. But, but Garoldi to... he's just very, I I don't know. It's it's just very subdued to me. You know, if I go to a basement jazz club, you know, after hours for a few cocktails, I want to hear cool jazz, right? If I go to a nice meal out mm. with the with my wife, That's I want to hear I want to hear the classy jazz. That's fair. Yeah. Right. Because, because as much as I love Coltrane, it probably doesn't go well with with a nice meal. Uh, Coltrane goes well with that. Well, of course it does. That but is it, sacrilege. But, but no, because I guess what I'm saying is because I want to focus on the music. No, I when I, that's I going get on. It. This and is it, background music. Yeah, and I say that with utmost respect. No, that's when you went on some Brubeck. Right. Know? Yes. So, yes. Yes. Um, but yeah, Garotti, I've just never been a huge fan. Well, I, cho- um, I I chose this because it's just it's a nostalgic 
again, it's probably more nostalgia than anything, okay? It's a nostalgic piano tune, but it has these minor, this is the difference, okay? It has these minor jazz chords in it. There's major chords later on, but but the the whole minor, it, it's almost sad. It is. Um, but, but it's, it's there's just something about it, and with the choral performance. Yeah, and I think that's another, tr- I, I don't know, it, it's just... It puts me to sleep. <laughs> See, the, the, I, it's it's so. And I, I don't get me wrong. I I appreciate it. I respect it. And I, it's a great choice. Our fan, you know, our. Why do I keep calling our listeners our fans? <laughs> I don't know, man. I hope you're our delusion. Delusions of grandeur. I, uh, <laughs> I am. Um, no, I. Hopefully, they'll, they'll agree with you. I, I, who doesn't love Charlie Brown? Christmas. Well, it's but. just it, it, that song. It, it's almost, I guess, mysterious in a way. It was. It was such. You wouldn't expect for a Christmas special. To have such a minor chord led jazz song I'll that's almost like it's just there's a sadness to it. I get you. It's a reverence. It's reverence. It's not sadness. It's, it's there's a reverence to it with the chorus. It's just but it's so simple. Um, and when I hear it, it just puts me in that Christmas spirit right away. We had our animated TV show episode last season, mm-hmm. and I made the comment. Linus and Lucy. Yeah. Yes, I chose Linus and Lucy. I made the comment, well, if there's anything that's for sure for the rest of time is that the Peanuts will always be on network television come holiday time. Not like two weeks after yeah, I you, said that. You totally jinxed it, yeah. Apple bought the rights <laughs> for all the Peanuts specials and put them to their Apple TV. Well, the good news is, ladies and gentlemen, um, and hopefully, because it was December 13th, so hopefully you caught it. Uh, they negotiated with PBS, and they allowed PBS to show the Peanuts Christmas, the, uh, uh, Charlie, it's officially called Charlie Brown Christmas, Charlie Brown Christmas. Um, on, on December 13th on um, PBS, probably for no charge, probably as a way to maybe help PBS out, I would, I would hope. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. So. <sighs> but You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch is great, as is the other song, which is in Who, so I can't pronounce it. <laughs> Yahoo Christmas Trim Up the Tree I mean there are really <laughs> oh, classic so songs many. on that one as yeah. well I could well, have chosen any of those yeah well, I, yeah I just I'm, I've always been partial to, to the Grinch I don't, I, I don't know what what I love is Thurl Ravenscraft of course sings right. you know what I mean when mm-hmm. Mr. Grinch but half of America thinks it's Boris Karloff right because he narrated Karloff the, narrates right, the, the, right. the cartoon um, yeah I'm I'm Pretty confident. Even if I do get to my alternate list, I'm not going to get to your. I mean, well, Mr. Grinch, but it it is there. Um, no, I, 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 I I'll just I'll I'll end with this. Um, one of the you know pastimes in the holiday season that our family um, 
engaged in, I'm assuming a lot of families do, is driving around the neighborhood at night looking at Christmas lights. This is the song I want to hear when I'm looking at Christmas lights. That I can see. Okay. I, that, that makes perfect sense. Does that, is that better? No, that, I, I, yes, absolutely. Okay. That makes perfect sense. So. It's been covered by, by a surprisingly amount uh, of, of people. I was surprised that they're probably not very good because I had never heard of them, but right. a lot of people have, have covered it as well. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, well, next, uh, my, my, my next selection here, it is the only one from the back half of our mixtape that is up-tempo for me. Everything else is very soft, mellow, and or uh, depressing. <laughs> vibey, as I like to say. Yeah, vibey. Yeah, there you go. This one is up-tempo. Um, this is Merry Christmas, Baby. Um, it's from 1965. It is the version, uh, it's the cover by Ike and Tina Turner. Okay. Um, the, you know, as, as husband and wife, Ike and Tina, they headed up one of the most potent live acts on, on the R&B circuit during the 60s and early 70s. Um, guitarist and band leader Ike kept his ensemble tight and well-drilled while throwing in his own distinctly twangy plucking. And, and Tina, I mean, was just a ferocious whirlwind of power and energy just a raw sexual dynamo um, who was impossible really to contain when she was on the stage, leading some critics to call her the first female singer to truly embody the, the spirit of rock and roll. Um, and in their prime, Icantina, the, their review, the Icantina Turner Review, they specialized in a hard-driving, funked-up hybrid of soul and rock that in its best moments rose to a visceral frenzy that few R&B acts of any era could hope to match. Um, for all of their concert presence, though, the Turners sometimes had problems translating their strong points uh, to record. They, they cut singles for an endless succession of large and small independent labels throughout the career and suffered from a shortage of the strong original material that artists with more stable homes like Motown or Atlantic or Stax often enjoyed. Just before River Deep Mountain High and a support slot on a Rolling Stones tour turned them into household names, at least in Europe, Ike and Tina made a handful of singles for Warner Brothers including this terrific take on, on the Christmas blues uh, with a, a lengthy history. The song was first released in 47 in a version credited to co-writer Johnny Moore's Three Blazers, with Moore playing guitar while Charles Brown took the vocal. Uh, Otis Redding had a 20th anniversary crack at it in 67, and Springsteen, uh, as we already said, has is, is often performed it live and through the years. Everyone from Chuck Berry to Etta James to Christina Aguilera has, has had a go at it. But the best of the bunch, without question, is this one by Ike and Tina. Uh, the warring duo, and they were always at war. I mean, you know, their, their marital issues are well documented. Um, they reimagined the often tepidly slow blues number as a rocking soul stomp. Radio. Well, I'm feeling mighty fine. God 
so enthusiastic, so energetic. It, it's just, you know, it is a song that makes you want to get up and dance, but but not, you know, in in the arms of the one you love slowly. I mean, this is this is just a, a party song, the way that they record it. Uh, the guitar solo is replaced by a wailing sax under the watchful eye of, of legendary producer and arranger Robert Bumps Blackwell. And I just, I mean, because I, I almost went Otis Redding. I came real close because I love, some would say he has the definitive version. But for me, I there's just something about Ike and Tina, the way that they rock out on, on their version that I, I, I had to include their cover. So that is, that's my, my next tune. Excellent choice. Very good, very good. Yeah, I, mean, I remember when, as being a huge Springsteen fan and loving A Very Special Christmas in 1987, I was disappointed. I, I guess it, looking back on it now, it was the better choice, but I was disappointed that he didn't include Santa Claus is Coming to Town. Yeah. Since that was kind of his, you know, at the time it was unavailable. And I think later he put it on the B side of I'm Going Down. No, it was uh, My Hometown. Or My Hometown. Yeah, it's the flip side of My Hometown. Um, eventually it was available. But for me, it, I, I couldn't buy a copy at the time. And then this came out. I don't know. Maybe it came out before. Either way, I didn't like it as well as Santa Claus is Coming to Town. Yeah. But now I appreciate it. Yeah. it's Well, it, I don't know. I, I would much prefer Santa Claus is Coming to Town uh, mm-hmm. by, by the boss. I, his version's fine. But, but there are better... I mean, as, frankly, as much as I love Springsteen, there there are much better versions of the song. So. For the album, frankly, it was an afterthought because he record he covers all sorts of songs when he tours, you know. Right. And basically, they just cho- I think it was one of the, you know, I don't know, maybe the nineteen eighty shows, whatever. Merry Christmas, baby. They just took it from a live recording and, yeah. and gave it to Jimmy Iovine. So it wasn't like they specifically recorded it for the LP. Right. Yeah. Well, and Sa- but Santa Claus is coming to town. He. Shows in November and December, Springsteen still. Oh, to yeah, this yeah, day. that's I mean, that's the staple Christmas. Yeah, song. It's, it's always in in the set list. When, you know, this yep. time of year when he's performing definitely, live. Definitely. So, and and I would argue his version is um, the, the arrangement from Phil Spector yeah, as well. It is, yeah. yeah so, okay, so uh, <laughs> there's an. I think one of the categories I mentioned were irreverent Christmas songs. There is a dark streak in me. I do like irreverent Christmas songs, including the country classic "Please, Daddy, Don't Get Drunk at Christmas." <laughs> Not sure if you're familiar with that. <laughs> that was done by everyone from Alan Jackson to John Denver yeah, to the yeah. Decemberists, believe it or not. Really? Have a version of that. Huh. Uh, or Something Stuck Up in the Chimney by Bob Rivers. Yep. Yeah. All right. Uh, I went with our old pal, Weird Al Yankovic. Christmas at Ground Zero. I did not choose Christmas at Ground Zero. Oh, which one did you That's go a with? great one. I chose The Night Santa Went Crazy. Okay. Yeah. I forgot about that one, actually. I haven't heard... Christmas is Ground Zero is just the one I always hear, so... It is another family favorite in my household, and does this make me a bad father, that the fact that my kids knew the lyrics of this song by the time they were in elementary school? Probably. No. no. It makes you an amazing father. In fact, you could argue today it's politically incorrect, at least politically insensitive, and I almost didn't put it on my list, and, I, and, and they, my family talked me out of it. They said, no, it's Weird Al. That means it's okay. There is a special gory version of this song. Yes, there is. On the essential Weird Al Yankovic release, which we will include in our... Well, I don't know. Should we include that? I guess we'll include the original, but I'll put the extra gory one on yeah, the... Yeah, but on the, on the alternates. The alternates but, yeah. Um, just hand it to Weird Al to simply write a song about Santa Claus finally snapping, uh, having enough grinding reindeer <laughs> or grinding Rudolph into reindeer sausage yep. uh, and just going off...
All the elves were making toys For the good Gentile girls And the good Gentile boys When the boss busted in Nearly scared him half to death Had a rifle in his hands And cheap whiskey on his breath From his beard to his boots He was covered with ammo Like a big fat drunk Disgruntled Yuletide Rambo And he smiled as he said With a twinkle in his eye Merry Christmas to all Now you're all gonna die The elves do end up getting uh, jobs at the postal service, but uh, yes, uh, that is, I, I probably included four or five on here that uh, our family, are kind of our family canon of holiday music. Um, as we were, again, preparing for Thanksgiving, I believe this one came on, and talk about how dark we are as a family, we all sang every single word together. So That's my pick, The Night <laughs> Santa Went Crazy by Weird Al Yankovic. It came out in actually 96. Christmas at yeah. Ground Zero was earlier. That was from his Polka album. Yeah, the Polka Party. Um, this one was 96, so it was Bad Hair Day yeah. album. Yeah. Um, no, I just, for whatever reason, I I forgot. <laughs> I forgot about the other one. Yeah, Chris, like I said, Christmas Ground Zero is the one that I always hear for whatever reason. In fact, if I remember back in FAL when we were in, on the air in Bowling Green, back when we were using carts. Oh, yes. <laughs> there was, uh, we had all the Christmas carts uh, live tags, and there was one from um, a Weird Al himself. Was Do you remember really? that? I, he said, and now here's a cheery tune about death, oh, destruction, and the end of the world. Oh, yeah. And that yeah. led into Christmas at Ground Christmas Zero. Christmas at Ground yeah. Zero, yeah. Oh, the card system, yeah. <laughs> oh, we are showing our age there. Okay, uh, so, uh, in the digital world. Okay, well, here is my second Hanukkah song. I said I had one per side, um, and I went with the gold standard. Uh, this is the Hanukkah song from 95 by Adam Sandler. And, you know, I let's talk about responsibility for a minute. For instance, if you are a well-known, occasionally funny comedian who happens to write a song about who is and isn't Jewish, a song that you intend to play over and over and over, then you might actually want to make sure that the famous people you name drop are actually, you know, Jewish. Did he make a few mistakes? Oh, yeah. Oh, one, really? Yeah. Very, very big one that, that is, you know, <laughs> Okay, this would be interesting. Um, because contrary to said celebrity song, Hall of Famer Rod Carew is not Jewish, Okay. Um, Didn't they say he converted? Yeah. Yeah, he says he, did not he convert? converted. No. Carew's wife is Jewish. His children are Jewish. And he wore a high necklace during his playing days. He was he He's a member of Temple Beth Shalom in Santa Ana, California. Well, that counts. That's close enough. Well, but, and, you know, he often repeats how, how much he likes the faith, which, thanks, Rod. Uh, by the way, I like it too. But, but Carew never converted. He could have picked Sandy Koufax then. Well, yeah, Koufax would make, well, Koufax was, you know, long. I, I don't know that anybody would have gotten the reference. Oh, come on. He's a, well, I guess people don't like baseball as much as we do, maybe. Yeah, probably. Well, well, but it was 95. Koufax, we would have known Koufax. Yeah, I guess you're right, yeah. But I, I, regardless, I don't know that millennials know who the hell Rod Carew was. Well, I'm sure they don't. Point. Yeah. They probably don't know um, any current pitchers either. Sorry. Yeah, Koufax was... Koufax is always right. the, the go-to. He does. He, he was the pitcher that refused to play. He refused to play on Yom Kippur during the playoffs. <laughs> Remember so. that scene in Airplane? Oh, yeah, that, when she asked for yeah. light reading, and it's a it's like a one-page leaflet of yeah, the, Jewish sports legends. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Now, Guru, 
God, that is, I, I love Airplane. <laughs> so, um, yeah, Karun never converted, though. I mean, he, uh, so it, it's just a minor point. But, you know, it wouldn't be such a big deal, um, you know, if, if Sandler just took five seconds to Google one of baseball's greatest But well, he didn't teams. have Google. Well, I, no, he had Yahoo probably, he had, a search yeah, engine back yeah, then. Yeah, he had it. Um, but, uh, yeah, Carew, he was an angel. He was a twin, but he's not a member of the tribe. So no matter how many times you sing about it, you know, that said, he's not Jewish. That does not in any way take away from the glory of this song, though. Um, Sandler wrote uh, the song with, with SNL writers uh, Lewis Morton and Ian Maxtone Graham. Um, first performed it on the show's Weekend Update segment on December 3rd, 1994. And, you know, the song... It, it just details, once again, how Jewish kids feel left out during the Christmas season when he rattles off the list of celebrities who are full Jews, part Jews, and converted Jews, and he name drops a few non-Jews as well with celebratory emphasis on O.J. Simpson. Right. Not a Jew. David Lee Roth lights the menorah So do James Conkirk Douglas and the late Dinosaurus Guess who eats together at the Carnegie Deli? Bowser from Shanana and Arthur Fonzarelli. <laughs> Paul Newman's half Jewish, Goldie Hawn's half too. Put them together. What a fine looking Jew. You can spin a dreidel with Captain Kirk and Mr. Spock, both Jewish. Put on your yarmulke, it's time for Hanukkah. The owner of the Seattle Supersonicas celebrates Hanukkah. O.J. Simpson, not a Jew. After incorporating it into a stand-up routine, he included the song on his 96 comedy album, What the Hell Happened to Me? And since then, he's written three follow-ups to the song. So I'm, I'm set for the next three Christmas specials. There are four versions of the Christmas. Do they all the, just name-drop Jewish song. people? But, yeah. Actually, my favorite is, is the second one. Hmm. I almost went with part two, but I thought... I don't think I've, I've heard the, the yeah. Uh, sequels. Um, yeah, part two is actually my favorite of the four, but I figured next year. I got four years to to go through the Adam Sandler collection here. Um, but yeah, it, it's just a new list of celebs uh, in each one. So yeah, I'm, I'm good for the next three holiday episodes. So interestingly, Neil Diamond, I don't know if this is on Spotify, but Neil Diamond covered the Hanukkah song by Adam Sandler. Really? Yeah. Uh, it, it's on his 2009 album, A Cherry Cherry Christmas, <laughs> with uh, some altered lyrics. Uh, um, instead of Tom Cruise isn't Jewish, but his agent is, Diamond sings Tom Cruise isn't Jewish, but Jesus Christ is. Hmm. Well, Which, Neil Diamond's Jewish as well. Yeah, not, yeah, yeah. Uh, did, he, did he appear in any of the incarnations? No, of the no, Sandler has never included him. Hmm, <laughs> so, and, then, and then Steve Carell, if, you, if you're an Office fan, he spoofed the song when he sang the Diwali song. Uh, Do you remember that one? Yeah. During a Hindu Diwali festival, right. uh, the annual autumn celebration. It was the season three episode Diwali. Um, but yeah, for future reference, folks, if you want to know who is or is not Jewish, I listen very closely. Visit the website jewornotjew.com. 
okay? Because you type in any celebrity, any celebrity of your choice, and they will tell you Jewish or not Jewish. Jew or not Jew.com. You might be surprised. Yeah, there have been a few that I there. thought were and weren't and vice versa. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I, well, I'll, I'll just throw this out there. Every Jew wishes Springsteen were. Yes, he's <laughs> so, not. He's not. You know, uh, you're not allowed to have Steen uh, at the back half of your name and not be Jewish. Bruce let us all down. So, um, but yeah, no, it's just, just a fun little bit, you know, very famously included a, a non-Jew as a potential convert. So, but yeah, the Hanukkah, I, who doesn't love the Hanukkah song? I mean, it's just, it is, it, it will forever. I mean, because Sandler's career is kind of, mm, he's, he's not putting out the, the quality of material uh, yeah, these days. Yeah, Hubie Halloween. I didn't watch it, but... I, I watched it. It, mm. it was better than I thought it would was be. It? Okay. But, 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 but the un- bar was really low. So. But Uncut Gems was uh, close to a masterpiece. Yeah, well... It, he needs to stick with the dramatic Whenever he does dramatic, dramatic works, yeah, right. he's, he's, you know, golden. But, yeah, it's just... Regardless, I mean, you know, this harkens back to the days when he was funny and, and gotta love the Hanukkah song. So, there we go. All that right. That is my... Tenth, uh, tenth song, but what would that be? My third of this fourth, fourth of side B. So I'm going to skip ahead to my alternates because I'm going to end with the song I want to end with because the okay. song I want to end with is the last song that I play every holiday season. I, I begin with Nat and Cole and I end with a song. So I'm going to end with that one. Interesting. Okay. Um, I'll just run real quickly down through my my list. Um, I only had a couple alternates, a couple classics. Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree by Brenda Lee, just classic early you know, rock and roll, uh, but gained more notoriety, I think, recently because of uh, its inclusion in Home Alone. Uh, do you know that Brenda Lee was only 13 years old when she mm-hmm. recorded that vocal? Yeah, yeah she was very young. Uh, and it was also it was written by Johnny Marks, who's written, who wrote uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and, and several of the songs that appear in that special. So wait, do you have two alternates then? Or? No, just one. But I have another song to come. Okay. Yeah. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, that's okay. fine. Yep. I, I was just getting lost in the numbers. Um, I, I mentioned in passing Wonderful Christmas Time by Paul McCartney from 1979. Oh, was that actually on your? That was my alternates. I told you. It's the best, worst Christmas song. I okay. love it. It's so awful. That, yeah. Okay. And again, I, I'll say some people feel it's really about, and he hasn't denied it, a bunch of friends practicing witchcraft it, yeah, it's, yeah. before being discovered and then pretending to be celebrating Christmas. Um, I didn't realize it was actually on your alternate. I, I knew where we were going when, yeah, yeah, when yeah. you said it. I just didn't know it was on your alternates list. The one I went back and forth, when I was not going to include The Night Santa Went Crazy, my irreverent choice was going to be from the Ramones. Merry Christmas, mm. I Don't Want to Fight Tonight. Yep. Which came out in 89 on uh, their album A Brain Drain. Um, like, kind of like you mentioned with, with River. I mean, it's kind of a tongue-in-cheek song. Anything by the Ramones pretty much right. is. I wholly expected that to be on your list. Yeah. I, I was kind of surprised that you didn't. It was it. on there, but it got bumped off for Weird Al. It was, that was the slot that I was going to you know, keep for one of the two. Um, but, of course, the holidays are a time for conflict for a lot of people. I'm sure we all have memories of times of conflict. Uh, and I, I got to say, one silver lining of COVID this year may be the fact that families chose to socially distance during this very politically charged yes. <laughs> atmosphere that we have right now. Now, of course, Merry Christmas, I Don't Want to Fight Tonight would be very appropriate for those families that not only met over Thanksgiving or planned to meet over Christmas, but also chose to talk politics. I am going to choose a classic song from 1973 that was released as a single. It was a hit in England, not so much a hit in America at the time, but is now a staple. It's one of the 
you know, classic rock staples for Christmas music. And that is Step Into Christmas by Elton John. Elton John, yep. And, you know, it, it's just kind of this standalone single that was an homage to Phil Spector, yeah. you know? In fact, uh, not only was it recorded as an, you know, written as an homage, it was recorded using the same wall of sound techniques that Phil Spector employed to give it that sound. Yeah. Remember, he kind of went through that phase with um, Don't Shoot Me, I'm Only the, the Piano Player with Crocodile Rock and several songs paying homage to the 50s and 60s music that he grew up um, admiring so much. Like I say, when I talk about that canon of classic rock, that includes, we already mentioned it, Bruce Springsteen, please, um, Santa Claus is coming to town, Eagles, please come home for Christmas, oh, which yeah. again was a cover, but now is kind of like a staple on classic rock radio. And I even wrote down, Merry Christmas, War is Over by John Lennon. So yes, it, it, I, again, if I had to choose one of these subcategories, this one fits into that. Those songs before A Very Special Christmas came out in 87, the very few rock songs that I had to listen to. In fact, I would record them. We had a station 107.9, no, 106.9. Remember that? It was kind of an AOR station in Canton. RQK. Yes. Yeah. And uh, they would play Cheech and Chong. They would play Eagles, uh, you know, uh, Please Call Me For Christmas. And then, of course, Step Into Christmas was one that they played a lot. And growing up a huge Elton John fan, it was great. You couldn't uh, buy it anywhere either. That was another thing. People forget mm-hmm. with Spotify, you know, and with Apple Music, where you can literally download anything for the most part. Uh, even if it was out of print, you know, chances are you're going to find it somewhere on the Internet. At the time, Step Into Christmas was not available. It did not appear in any Elton John albums. It did not appear in any compilations until later when he released a box set. And so uh, I had to record these off, off the radio. And I had a, I probably have it somewhere. I still have a mixtape somewhere of all recorded music, you know, from 106.9. And Step Into Christmas was one of those. Well, you know, it's funny because it was actually released um, during the Goodbye Yellow Brick Road era. Yes. But uh, in 94. Well, and and that same year, he he put out two or three albums a year. He did. So Don't Shoot Me was the same year. Right. But in in 95, when he remastered uh, and reissued the album Caribou, Mm Mm-hmm. He included Stepping yes, to Christmas did. on Caribou, right. which which is a little bit later than when the song was recorded. Yeah. Do you know there are actually two versions of it, though? I did not know that. Yeah. Um, two different versions uh, are known to exist. The original single mix and version recorded for John's 73 performance um, on the Gilbert O'Sullivan show television program um, was unique because it actually featured Bernie Toppin standing in for Ray Cooper on percussion. Oh, yeah. You know what? I did know that. Yeah, yeah Toppin yep, yep, actually yep, yep, yep. 
is on so the live on, version is the, what you're uh, saying the live track i thought you yeah. meant there were two recorded oh, no, 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 versions no, no. no yeah. but but the uh the live version was actually recorded and it's you'll you'll hear it at christmas time on a number of stations right. um yeah it's one of the few maybe the only track that i'm aware of the top is actually yeah right performing right um so yeah no it's a great song i that was another one that i almost included and then just for whatever reason i i i, I did not have a lot of classic rockers or a lot of uh, I had a lot of soul um, I didn't even have a lot of novelty which is very unlike me actually um, but no it's walking in women's underwear yeah the yeah. bathroom door said gentlemen right yeah basically anything by Bob Rivers yeah yeah no. the 12 paints of Christmas oh, I love the 12 you could do a whole novelty you could, show yeah novelty show would be very easy for Christmas time um, alright um, my turn uh, my next song is from 1981. It is uh, by Dan Fogelberg, oh. and it is titled yeah. "Same Old Lang Syne." Good song. Um, nice little story song. Yeah, it's it's phenomenal. Um, you know, as Fogelberg told it on his official website, the song is totally autobiographical. Um, he was visiting family back home in Peoria, Illinois, in the mid 70s, uh, when he ran into an old girlfriend at a convenience store. Um, after Fogelberg's death from prostate cancer in 2007, the woman he wrote the song about came forward with her story. Her name is Joe Grulich, and she and Fogelberg dated in high school when she was Joe Anderson. And as he explained, or as she explained rather, to the Peoria Journal Star in a December 22nd, 2007 article, they were part of the Woodruff High School class of 1969, but they went to different colleges. And after college, Joe got married and moved to Chicago. Dan went to Colorado to pursue music. And on Christmas Eve, they were each back in Peoria with their families when Joe went out for eggnog and Dan was dispatched to find whipping cream for Irish coffee. So the only place open was a convenience store at the top of Abington Hill, uh, a Fry Avenue and Prospect Road um, at that intersection. And that's where they had their encounter. They bought a six pack of beer. They drank it in her car for two hours while they talked. So five years later, Joe heard Samo Lang Syne on the radio while driving to work, but she kept quiet about it, as Fogelberg also refused to reveal her identity. Her main well, Doesn't she also kind of disparage her husband a little well, bit? Well, yeah. Her, her main concern was that coming forward would disrupt Fogelberg's marriage. Oh, though. okay. Okay, Fogelberg's marriage. Because looking at the lyrics, Joe says there are two inaccuracies. First, she has green eyes, not blue. And her husband was not an architect. He was a phys ed teacher. And it's unlikely Fogelberg knew his profession anyway. But regarding the line, she would have liked to say she loved the man, but she didn't like to lie. That's the line. Jill has never talked about it, but she had divorced her husband by the time the song was released. Gotcha. So there's that. Uh, the single was released uh, in December 1980. Fogelberg's record company expected the album to follow soon after, but the singer had an epiphany when he sat down to sequence it on New Year's Eve um, wanted it to be a double album with a song cycle starting with nostalgia and coming up to the present. So Fogelberg spent another six months writing new songs. So the record company went nuts that there was no album uh, to release with the success of the single. In 2008, Abington Street in Peoria, which was the location of the convenience store where the events of the song took place, it was designated Fogelberg Parkway hmm. in honor of the singer. I, I just, you know what kills me about the song every time? It's a great story song, like you said. I mean, it's just... Yeah, you're there with them, and it's it's just it's a beautiful story. But the very end, when she drives away, and the snow turns to rain. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That gets me every.
every yeah. damn time. I mean, that's just the heartbreak. Is it this your second depressing song that you? Um, well, no, I wouldn't even consider this. Why well, I, I wouldn't? I'm just trying to figure yeah. out what no, you no, no, considered no. your second um, depressing. It, it's coming. To my oh, okay. number twelve. No, it, but there's just something. I, I can I can remember the the pain of you know first love and heartbreak. You know, as a high school student and when, when he says that line about the snow oh, it was a nice rain. little touch did that actually happen or did he that just a point no, of touch actually oh did it really yeah, actually wow. happened wow. yeah and it's just to me that line makes the song That was intended to be a holiday song, or he just because no, to me, just, I always just thought it was. It's a, just not a biographical story okay. of the two of them meeting. Because I know Christmas a lot of times Eve. it is played around Christmas. Yeah, well, yeah, they it's you know it's Christmas Eve when they meet. And, right, right. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, no, it, I like River. I don't know. I don't know that you would consider it a Christmas song, but for me, both River and Samuel Lang Syne, I mean, they're they're in the moment, and yep. they both. They, I agree. They, you know, they pull heavily from you know standards, and I just. I, I love this song. So there you go. Perfect. Yeah, no, in fact, because of the Auld Lang Syne title, a lot of people right. think it took place on New Year's New Eve. New Year's, So it's yeah. really Christmas Eve. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, this is my last pick then. And uh, so we had no matches. So I just had the alter- one alternate. But this is the one I mentioned earlier that uh, I close Christmas. I open with the Christmas song. And this is, you know, on Christmas night, everyone's usually gone to bed. I kind of sit up and have a little alone time, Christmas tree, lights low, just kind of taking it all in, you know. And this is the song I end with. It is, the song is, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. Ah. Now, of course, the original was 1944 with Judy Garland from Meet Me in St. Louis, which had the, kind of the depressing lyrics. Yeah. Uh, in 1957, I believe it was 57, late 50s, Frank Sinatra made it famous. He insisted that the lyrics be um, brightened up a bit, uh, especially the line um, that said, until then we'll have to muddle through somehow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he said, you know, this is a jolly Christmas album. We need to change the vibe a little bit. So the line was changed to hang a shine star upon the highest bow. Right. Uh, but the version that I really, really enjoy, and I'm not going to say it's better than Sinatra's or it's better than Judy Garland's, but it's my favorite version. And that's all that counts for my picks, right? Is the one from A Very Special Christmas. And that's by The Pretenders. It's another nod to local Northeast Ohio New Wave music, as Christy Hind is from uh, Akron, Cuyahoga Falls. And um, this version, I think, again, I'm not a Pretenders aficionado, but I think this is her finest vocal performance of anything. I mean, it's uh, up there. She's great. Yeah. And it's just one of those talk about the ultimate Christmas vibey song. This is it. This is just when I can kind of reflect. Uh, not only that particular Christmas, but all the Christmases in the past, 
um, with my own children as they were growing up, um, my own childhood growing up. It kind of all culminates and I'm able to turn out the Christmas tree for the last time and go to bed and wait for next year. yourself a merry little Christmas let your heart be light from now on our troubles will be out of yourself a merry little Christmas make the yuletide gay from now on Chrissy Hines vocals on that one. That is it I would agree with you. Um yeah, no, it's no, it's a great way to end the holiday. I totally get why you would choose it. But let's end it on a depressing note. <laughs> yeah, your last well, song? First I'm gonna recap my or I'm gonna go over my alternates. Um okay. I've already said Santa Claus is coming to town by Springsteen from eighty one. Um actually it was from a concert December 12th, 75. Oh, 75. Okay. Yeah. Um he was performing uh, That one, Merry Christmas. Um, baby, I think was nine. Yeah, was early eighties. It was early eighties. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, December twelfth, nineteen seventy five, Springsteen was performing "Santa Claus Is Coming to Town" during a show at the CW Post College in Greenville, New York. Um, and basically, and it wasn't released until nineteen eighty one, um, when uh, he put it on the B side. Then it was released a second time of "My Hometown" in eighty five. Um, so. You know, the big man on sax on that on that recording. It just oh, the wind whipping down the boardwalk. Yep. So that was one. Uh, I also had, as I've already said, "You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch" by Thurl Ravenscroft. I had "Run Rudolph Run" by Chuck Berry. Chuck Berry. There's a version by uh, Brian Adams on a very special Christmas. Yep. There's also a version by the Brian Setzer Orchestra. Oh yeah. Well, um, yep. Which I almost included something by by Brian. Setzer. Yeah. There's some I, good stuff. There. I did. I, I'll save them for next year. I had "Baby It's Cold Outside" by Dean Martin. Now I know there's a lot of controversy to that song, and I was prepared to justify my case. I've come around on that, believe it or not. Really? I was very kind of down on that song for a long time. I've decided it's playful. I've decided that both yeah, sides know is. exactly what's going on. Oh, yeah. yeah and yeah. they're just being playful. Well, it, it, it's, you have, it's historical context. Yeah. Women were not allowed to, it, it was socially frowned upon right. for a girl to spend the night with her fiance, with her beau, with her boyfriend, with any man that she was not married to. And she would defer, I mean, it was, it was common parlance. She would defer to what's in this drink Tongue in cheek, really, right, right. as as you know, saying it's not my fault that I'm staying because right. that was what she could get away with right. doing. Yeah, yeah. no, I, the I historical context. Yeah, it, I, a lot of it, it had the misfortune of. Well, I, I totally respect the Me Too movement. I don't want anyone to think that I don't, and I, I 
champion it and I support it. And, you know, but, you know, the controversy came about the same time that Cosby's issues came to light. And that's not what the song is. The song has never been about, you know. Well, if you read it literally, yes, it does seem creepy. But if it's performed well, the playfulness of both, they both know what's going on. No one's being coerced. And it's still to this day one of my favorite. It's not really a Christmas song, but it's, you know. um, I had Melikalikimaka. Yeah. Bing Crosby. Hands down one of my favorite. My favorite song by Crosby of of the Christmas, you know. That was another one that I loved Christmas growing up, album. and then it was in Christmas Vacation, and then everyone knew about it. But it's fine. It's oh, fine. I I'll just, share. I, I love it, though. I mean, Hawaiian And Buffett Christmas. has a version of that as well. Yeah, he does. He does. Um, and then my, my last alternate, which I really wished I had gotten to, and I was even tempted sitting here thinking of swapping it out. I, I, I don't know. Um, it's Snoopy's Christmas by the Royal Guardsmen. Hmm. Um, it was it was one of three sequels to Snoopy versus the Red Baron. Hmm. Do you know it? I don't. Oh, um, well, basically the, the the song. Do you know Snoopy versus the Red Baron? No, you've you've never heard Snoopy versus the Red. Never Baron? Never heard it. Okay, well, you hit had, a blind spot in my pop culture okay. knowledge. Well, both had to make it on our okay. on our alternates list. But Snoopy is it a novelty song. Oh yeah, they're both okay. novelty. Yeah. Um, basically unauthorized Charles Schultz type no Schultz Schultz did not like the song and he hated the band Um, but they recorded it basically it was originally just a song about the Red Baron and it was shopped around and no record label was interested and then it was shelved but then I think it was like three years later suddenly Charles Schultz introduced uh, you know the ace flying yeah, oh, so it predated it. It predated it, yeah. Interesting. And Who's what, the band? Uh, the Royal Guardsmen. Okay. It was written by Dick Holler. Um, okay. But basically, when, when, when Schultz introduced you know, Snoopy fighting the Red Baron, the light bulb went off over the head of the, the original songwriter, and they just simply inserted Snoopy into the song that was already written. Gotcha. Um, Schultz was not happy, and there was some legalities you know, there. But eventually, you know, the deal was cut, and they... they used it and then there were three sequels there was uh oh let's see um i have them here uh it was the return of the red baron snoopy for president and then snoopy's christmas um but here's the interesting thing snoopy versus the red baron as much as schultz hated the song um he refused to give any artwork for the record either when the song took flight excuse the pun but the single and its album outsold Schultz's Broadway recording of You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown, and the complete Peanuts discography of jazz pianist Vince Guaraldi combined. Hmm, the single Snoopy vs. the Red Baron, it outsold everything hmm, Peanuts themed. Um, but anyway, Snoopy vs. the Red Baron, it's about you know the World War I uh, fight taking place in the, in the sky above. But in Snoopy's Christmas, Snoopy goes back out and he and the Red Baron are again fighting and then Snoopy has a malfunction and he's in the Red Baron's sights and the Red Baron has the opportunity to take him down and just chooses not to. And he forces Snoopy to, to land where he gives Snoopy a gift and gives him a drink. It's, it's basically about the Christmas armistice. You know, very famously, you know, the British and the German troops uh, calling a truce on Christmas Eve and exchanging gifts and um, it's, it's it's a fun song but there, there's some historical context there if you know about the Christmas truce and it's just oh, it's so much fun and I really especially after you 
you know, of the Holy Trinity, as you called it, you chose a Charlie Brown Christmas. Really wanted to include it, but I'm going to leave it on the alternate list because now it's Stupid versus the Red Baron is going to make it as well. Um, here's my final song. And yes, it is depressing as hell. It is by Simon and Garfunkel from 1966. It is 7 o'clock news, Silent Night. Why in the hell would you do that? Because I was, right? <laughs> Just because I was sitting there and I had forgotten all about it, actually. And I was sitting there brainstorming and, and it's listing the songs. And then I thought, I had not heard, really it dawned on me, I have not listened to Parsley Sage Rosemary in time in for do you want me to swap it no 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 you sure no excuse it i just like yeah that is i'll give you that one river but this one yeah that's depressing it is it is depressing for those that that are unfamiliar it's the closing track from the 66 album parsley stage rosemary in time and it's just chilling i thought it was bookends is it parsley yeah Yeah, it's parsley stage yeah um the song it's just chilling there's no other way to describe it The, the juxtaposition of the peaceful noel with the harrowing news report is just brilliant. Well, okay, let me stop and saying, yes, it's depressing. However, I think it's appropriate that you included it because I do love the contrast mm-hmm. and the statement that it makes. Oh, absolutely. Especially yeah. in, I want to say, 1963, was it released? 65? 66. 66, is that late? Yeah. Yeah, of course. 63 was there. Uh, yeah. Um, for, with the Vietnam stuff. Like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it, it was. It's, and the race riots. Everything going on, all the tumult in the 60s. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It, it is. It's just, it's genius. I, the soft, gentle vocals sung in a major key and in harmony. And it, it's accompanied by that simple piano melody. But in contrast, the cold, monotone delivery of the news report from August 3rd of that year, it's, it's just haunting. Um, you know, the, the duo had dabbled in political statements before. The Sounds of Silence was a subtle reminder of the dangers of blindly following your political leaders. But 7 o'clock news and Silent Night, it, it was not at all subtle. I mean, it, it's a potent, politicized Christmas carol, really poised between hope and despair. Right? The news report grows louder as it revisits the day's racial divide, the anti-war protests, the congressional gridlock. All of that should sound really familiar. Yeah, no, it does. It's appropriate. It's appropriate. Yeah, yep. and that's, that's what made the decision for me is that yeah. this song could be yep. released today. Yep. Um, it becomes louder still with the mention of serial killer Richard Speck by the end of the song. And then the darkness of 1960s America completely overtakes the Christmas hymn. You know, the, the song is not anti-Christmas. No, though, though it does reveal, I think, our religious hypocrisies, our cultural indifferences, our individual flaws. You know, do we really wish for peace on earth and goodwill to humanity? Seven o'clock news, Silent Night is a deliberate and thoughtful song and it should give us pause to reevaluate our intents. I thought about it the more I thought this could 
they they could have released it in 2020 yeah. new and yeah. the yeah. song would sound exactly the same yep. and it's you know it's not anti-Vietnam protests of course but there's protests in the street the racial divide you have yeah. the congressional everything in that song short of Richard Spence what, let me do you know was that an actual Bruce. was that an actual newscast or did they just write the script and have somebody read you it know, for the I, song I could not find an answer to that mm. because some sites said it was real some sites said that uh, Simon had written it so okay. I but I mean it, I could not find and I mean these were reputable sites that, right. that were just in total disagreement so I, I still cannot say for certain whether or not it was a news report no that's good that's good but yeah it just I it is it's chilling it's depressing it's gonna end the whole thing on a very dark note but you know if we're really going to evaluate the intents of the holiday season and what we're celebrating and you know, brotherhood of man and coming together and looking out and goodwill for humanity and love and peace. This is the song that really should make you, it, it, you should take pause and. No, really, you're right. I you see know. you won. You, you, you got me to come around. So, yeah, I mean, if you want to, I'll flip it with, no, no. with Snoopy because no, I, I no, really no, no, wanted no, no, Snoopy. No, no, no. But Nope. Okay. Well, there, there, are, there are my next six. All right. Well, is that time to sequence? I think side B. It is, but this one's going to be... <laughs> this is going to be fun. Yeah, well, <laughs> this one might just be jarring. I don't know that it's going to sequence neatly, but we'll, we'll give it a shot. We'll be right back. And we're back. And believe it or not, it wasn't quite as bad as we thought it might be. Yeah, it was actually fa- fairly simple. Um, it, it, there's a definite difference between this week and last week, though. The, pl- the, the playlists are... Yeah, side A and side B of the mixtape are... That's not very, bad. That's not a bad no, thing. it's not bad at all. Yeah. It's, I, 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 actually, I, I love it, but, it, but it's, yeah, very different moods, very different feel. The side B of our uh, holiday-themed special mixtape begins with Step Into Christmas by Elton John, followed by Merry Christmas Baby by Ike and Tina Turner. The Night Santa Went Crazy by Weird Al Yankovic, followed by The Hanukkah Song by Adam Sandler. River by Joni Mitchell into Christmas Time is Here by Vince Guaraldi. Happy Christmas War is Over by John Lennon, who we didn't we didn't even talk about this, but uh, just 12 days ago, actually, uh, 40th anniversary of his of his murder. Yes. Yeah. So um, you would have been 80 years old. Yeah. He, yeah. Wow. OK. Um, I just thought of me. We didn't even talk about the assassination outside of. The Dakota. The Dakota, yeah. Um, all right, so Happy Christmas War is Over, uh, followed by Christmas Island by Jimmy Buffett, into Merry Christmas Darling by the Carpenters. Same Old Lang Syne by Dan Fogelberg, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas by the Pretenders, and 7 O'Clock News Silent Night by Simon and Garfunkel. Someone out there can relate to every track thrown on here. So, But like um, I said, there's so much music out there. If we had no lives or jobs and had boundless energy at our age, we could have done the 12 Days of Christmas and had an episode mixtape for 12 days in a row. Oh, easily. Yeah, easily. So anyway, folks, it, it was great to be back. Um, and we we have at least uh, one more special that will be coming to you here in a couple of months where we're definitely going to give you a holiday-themed episode for Valentine's Day. Um, and then season two will be right around the corner from that uh and, and maybe throwing a Mother's Day one in yeah, the spring. Yeah, Mother's Day. Yeah, de- oh, definitely. We'll have a Mother's Day. So uh, you can look forward to Valentine's Day and Mother's Day before we return for season two. Uh, 
give us your feedback. Let us know what you think of the side A, side B. Um, side A did go a little bit longer. Actually, um, I think we're about the exact same. Are we really? Maybe even a little longer on this one. Really? A tad bit, maybe. We'll see. We'll see how we edit it out. Huh. I would have thought this one was a lot shorter. Pretty, pretty close. Pretty close. Okay. Yeah. So we're, we're looking at, well, maybe you can get it down to 115. But again, again, an hour and a half, two separate episodes as opposed to three hours. Yeah. In one episode. Maybe, Much more manageable. Maybe it's unrealistic. Maybe we're not going to get down to an hour. Well, I mean, we can. We'd have to go back to five songs. Yeah. Well, and we'd have to like eschew any sort of like. What well, we'd have to stop the conversation. It would just yeah. be. Yeah, it wouldn't be trivia. Fun. No, that's fine. Yeah, that's good. I, I want the banter. I want the conversation. Yeah, so right. You let us know what you think. Uh, you know, give us some feedback after listening to side A and side B. Let us know if the new for, well the new format definitely works. Shorter episodes are shorter episodes. So, um, but hopefully we'll we'll do you proud and you know you'll you'll enjoy what what we're trying to do here. Um, Again, just a quick shout out to Jay Callahan Painting and Affordable Entertainment Live Trivia. Um, it's been great to be behind the mic again. Yeah, so. hopefully we brighten uh, some people's holiday uh, spirits. Obviously, a lot of people will not see family like they normally would because of the COVID situation, which is the responsible thing to do. So I know it's really tempting um, to get together because those are the good times. But um, be smart. I don't know about, about you guys. We we had a self-contained Thanksgiving and um, I think we will do the same as well uh, with Christmas. So use Zoom and Google Meet or any of those FaceTime to visit with relatives. But let's uh, protect our loved ones, especially our older loved ones. Yes. During yes. these times. So, all right. Well, folks, odd funk, cool punk, even if it's old junk, another mix of memory awaits. It's all our next special episode. But for now, press pause, lift the needle, and hit eject. But we will see you on the flip side. <laughs>